Hello and welcome to the Geomaxian podcast. I'm your host, Sophia. It's the first episode, yo. Oh, I'm so happy that this is finally happening. Two years in the making. I'm excited for you to meet my first guest, Vangile Makwakwa. Van is a business owner and founder of the Wealthy Money platform through which she helps women of color heal their ancestral money trauma and live their best lives. She is also the host of Property Magicians podcast, a real estate investor, an author and a slow traveler, amongst other things. In this episode, we talk about how and why she chose to be location independent, how she lives her nomadic lifestyle, and her approach to personal coaching and business in general. I have raved about Van for as long as I've known her. Her story inspires me and every moment I spend in her presence, I learn something new, I feel seen and always empowered. I hope that this episode does the same for you. So without further ado, this is Vangile Makwakwa, Geomaxin to live with intention. Van, where are you now? Right now, I'm in Whitbank in Pumalanga in South Africa, but I'm heading to Mexico in about, when the 5th of April, so... <laughs> I guess that's in less than a month. You know, for me, you're the original nomad. Can you tell me more about your slow traveling journey? When did it start? When did you decide that this is your the lifestyle that you want uh, to live? Oh my gosh, for me, it was right after university. So my undergrad, so this was in 2005, when I graduated from undergrad and it wasn't even a thing then. Being a nomad wasn't what it is now. But I just decided I'm not cut out for an office. I'm not cut out to live in one country. I just knew this about myself. So I just packed and I left. And I didn't have a plan. I got a job on a cruise line. And that was the beginning of the end. And I've been traveling ever since. People always said, like, I'd get tired, I would stop. And I also waited for that moment, you know, and I've still been waiting <laughs> to get tired and to stop and to not want to keep traveling anymore. And it hasn't come. It was really the best decision I've ever made. How long has it been now? Wow. So since 2005 to now, 2022, I guess 17 years of just constant traveling, living in different countries. And I think. The reason why it's also been this long is that I never give myself a timeline. I think most people go, I'm going to go traveling for five years. For me, I was always like, I think this is going to be my life. So when I get to a country, as you know, Sophia, if I love it, I just stay for as long as my spirit wants me to stay. That's because like, this is going to be something that I do for a lifetime. So there's never any rush. I'm never in any rush to like fill up my passport to get passport stamps because it's not ending anytime soon. I am truly impressed and fascinated by how you choose your destinations and how you use your time in different places. I want you to tell me about these choices that you make, how you make them, and what aspects 
of your life you're able to upgrade or maximize on for each of your favorite destinations, for example? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. Okay, so we're going to take some time on this one. (laughs) Yeah, so when I started off, I was making my decisions out of fear. Like it was like I was running away from things. Because I think sometimes when we travel, there's many ways to travel. And one of the ways that I was traveling at first was as a way to run away. The first few years of my travels were based on I want to run away from my fears of not having enough money. So I would go to countries that were quote unquote known as wealthy, where they said there would be opportunities. So I would go to those countries because I was trying to get there and not so much travel and explore, but be there and access opportunities, you know? That was my whole aim, um, to get a job, to maybe make a living, to make more money for my next travels. And it just didn't work out that way for me, you know? Um, mainly because I soon realized that the thing, remember what I said that I wanted to travel because I realized that office jobs were not for me. And um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay in one location for long. So I realized that the jobs that I was looking for, even if they were contract jobs, were asking me to follow a schedule, follow a particular rhythm that was based on the corporate space, whereas I have my own rhythm, my own way of doing things, my own way of working. So that completely fell flat within a few years, and that had to be given up instantly. So now how I travel is I literally sit and I ask myself, what experience do I want to have next? You know, and then I I really consult with my ancestors and my guides. And then I wait for the answer. It's really weird because I don't Google any countries that I go to. Like I know nothing about Mexico. I just know that I'm going to Oaxaca And I was like, okay, I think the experience that I want to have is I want to learn Spanish now. You know, I want to start learning languages for the next few years on my travels. So I found some language schools that I'm going to register with. And I want to do a homestay the first six weeks because I don't do well just living in people's faces. But I felt like it's a good way to uh, the schools also set you up with the homestay. And then from there, I can go and get my own apartment for the next like four and a half months and do retreats and see how it goes, you know. But how I came to this conclusion was I didn't know what country to go to next because I'd moved from Sri Lanka to South Africa. I got to South Africa and I realized that there were a lot of emotional things that I needed to clear out. So it would have been easy for me to just leave and go have another adventure because this was too hard. But then I felt like if I don't, if I don't sit with this and I really don't immerse myself in this, then it will always be here. Then I realized that actually the next experience that I wanted to have when I was here was a healing experience and to really heal a lot of childhood traumas, to be in cities that had usually triggered me from a young age. So that was when I decided, okay, I'm going to stay in South Africa. So I've been here almost a year, which has freaked a lot of people out. Like now when I tell people I'm leaving, even if I'm going away for a weekend getaway, everyone just assumes I'm leaving South Africa. Even Honey, my sister thought like, I told her, 
oh, I'm in Joburg, but I'm leaving in two days. She was like, she started calling me. She's like, I didn't know you were leaving South Africa so soon. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I need people to really calm down. I'm just leaving to go see our parents. <laughs> I'm leaving to see friends, but everyone's natural instinct, because I haven't been here for so, I haven't spent so much time here in such a, in, in years. People just are waiting for me to just leave anytime soon. So this is how I make my decisions is based on, I guess, really what my spirit needs and wants at the time. So for whatever reason, my spirit, like I've had when making the decision to go to Mexico, my spirit has had this desire to think in a different language, which is really, really bizarre. But I feel like when we think and speak in different languages, because I do speak uh, different languages and I do think in different languages at times, it completely shifts the way that we see the world. So part of me is having a desire to see the world from a different standpoint. And I feel like learning a new language right now is going to help me shift my perspective and shift the way that I'm approaching certain things. And that's why Mexico. And also I wanted an adventure. Um, and I guess like the other thing for me is that North America has always been such an intense experience for me. It's a country, it's a continent that has always like triggered my biggest explosive shifts within. So I don't want to go to the US because that's a bit too intense for me. And Whenever I've gone there, I've gotten sucked in for years. Like my spirit kind of like gets like, who I want to explore this more. And I really love Asia. So I want to be able to go back to Asia. So I'm just like, let's test out Mexico. It's also a great experience to learn a new language. And if it doesn't work out, I've already thought to myself, okay, Costa Rica, they also speak Spanish. Or I should also check out Guatemala. So for now, it's a lot of my experiences, a lot of my travels are based on what does my soul need? What does my soul desire? And where can those desires be fulfilled? In what countries can those desires be fulfilled? And then I just wait for the answer. And that comes from within. Wow. You articulated perfectly the way I <laughs> feel about Mexico. It's amazing to me how you give words to things all the time I meet you. Uh, that uh, it, it's just spot on for me to... Like, I felt like I am ready to think in another language for oh, so wow. long. And I chose Spanish too. And I want to go to, to Mexico. And I'm amazed at how aligned we've been in a lot of instances. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um <laughs> I still, I still want to go there. I can't for now, but um, it will happen eventually. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling myself that it's, it's gonna happen one time is right. At least I know. At least I've made that decision. I listened to that. It feels like it's a calling. Like it's something in me, and I, that's how I explain it to people. It's just something that's really attracting me to, to that part of the world that I feel like that's exactly what I need. Mm, that's that's interesting about thinking in a different language, hey? 
Yeah. I'm curious to know about your shifts from office life to the life that you live now. Because when I met you, you were the first person that opens my eyes to a different way of work that serves you. I remember how you take time in your mornings that you don't you don't rush yourself to jump to work uh, right away. You take care of yourself. I think for me, you were mm. the person that that showed me that self-care or morning routines can be customized to your needs. Now it's become such a trending topic uh, forced on people that, you know, that there is a set of things to do. Mm. How, how did you come to that conclusion? How did you realize that it's the way you want to live yourself? And how did you figure out what works for you? Oh, that's a good question. So like I said, I've never really worked in an office or had a corporate life before because right after varsity, I left. I worked as a mining and energy analyst, but I worked part time even in that job. So I only worked four hours a day. So almost every job I've had, the one time when I worked full time was in South Korea for eight months. And for that, like I would work from like 8.50 to 4.30, which was really, really difficult for me. I decided to try that. But every other job I've had like um, part time and I've, ugh, I'm like every other job, like I've worked many jobs. So I actually did a calculation once and I saw that in my entire adult life, I've worked in jobs for like a total of mm, two and a half years in my whole adult life, you know? So I don't have like vast experience, but um, I remember in high school for me, I struggled waking up in the morning and I noticed, and I started getting really, really anxious. So here's what I would do. Like I started struggling with falling asleep because I would know that I have to wake up in the morning. And because mornings were so difficult for me, it was so, so stressful. And all I ever wanted to do was to finish school because this whole thing of waking up so that you can go straight into class was so jarring to my spirit, you know? So when I started university, I would actually skip all my morning lectures. Like you would never, ever find me on campus before 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. It just, I didn't care how important the lectures were. It was just, I realized that I needed time to just go within and sit with myself. At that time, there was no, like I said, for me, I've been doing a lot of these things before they even became trends. Now people talk of morning routines. And you know, Sophia, I don't teach morning routines. I I don't like these things because there's so much pressure to then do a particular thing in the mornings. So what I started doing from university onwards in my university days was to just feel what felt right for me to do at any particular time in the mornings. And here's what I started to notice is that every day was different for me, you know, which now, now that I do the work I do around room work, I'm like, of course, every day was different for me. Hello, room work. You know, it's like every single day my womb was going through something different. Like as a woman, I'm at a different point of my cycle every single day of my life. So obviously I'm not going to wake up and want to journal every single day. I'm not going to wake up and feel the need to be in meditation. I'm not going to wake up and feel the need to dance every morning. 
I'm not going to wake up and feel the need to um, just uh, be in total stillness or communicate with my ancestors every morning. Why? Because my cycle is constantly evolving as a woman, right? So, and I think one of the best things that I did for myself, and maybe because of where I was at university, you're like in your late teens, so you're not following rules, so to speak. So it becomes easier to just know yourself. I started to notice that some days I wake up with music and then I can't do anything but play music full full blast for an hour and just sing along. Some days I wanted to read something so deep and profound. Some days I wanted total silence and I would give myself three hours every morning to just figure myself out which sounds like a lot to most people, but actually for me, it's just the bare minimum. You know, it's something that even my family knows that usually I will maybe emerge out of my room at 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. And then some days I just want to go out and talk to people, you know, and I realize that usually when I'm in ovulation mode, I wake up and I'm just like, the first thing I do is I look through my phone and I go, hey, do you want to have breakfast? And then I want to jump out and connect with people and have breakfast with people and then come back and decompress after that. But my morning routine differs. What I can tell people is the various things that I do in the mornings, right? Which is usually it's not consistent um, in that like I'm not forcing myself to do this every morning, but there's a plethora of things that I then tap in and decide to do. So um, I'm doing my own inner work meditations from the Money Magic course. I'm doing EFT tapping. Um, sometimes I do breath work. Sometimes I wake up and I just do yoga all day. Like it feels like all day. My mat doesn't even go, doesn't even get rolled up for some days because I'm always on there and I'm playing around. Um, I listen to podcasts. I um, sit and I just write. So some days you've seen this, Sophia, where like I'll wake, where you wake up and you'll see like a post that I like maybe like two, 3,000 words from me on my Facebook status where I've analyzed something to death. So some days that's what my spirit leads me to do. And it's also a form of meditation because I'm really unpacking a belief system for myself and also for others. And then some days I'll wake up because I'm a writer and I'll just write for myself whatever I'm working on next, whatever book I'm working on, whatever poem I'm working on. And then I'll do, and then some days I'll just wake up, jog, go for a walk. Some days I'll wake up, go hiking. Again, these are all things, there is no actual consistent routine. It's just what I'm doing is I'm constantly tuning into my body and I ask, what do you need Mm -hmm. right now? To the point where I know, like I'll wake up and I'll even ask, because I love waking up to music, I'll say, what song am I feeling today? And how I'll know, so because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I forgot my period is on the way. When I hear constantly, when my womb says, there's no song, I just want silence. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm preparing for the winter. I'm preparing for my cycle, right? So it's all those things. It's just, there is no set routine except what my spirit wants and needs. And ironically, all of that depends on where I'm at in my cycle. So I've become very, over time, I've become so observant that I can see what my, how my routine changes 
based on where I'm at on my cycle. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's such a relief to hear this. It is so calming and it feels right. Uh, it was... Yeah, and it's stressful, right? It is stressful. Because it's like you must do this at this set time, by this time. And I like, like I listen to people, nothing against the 5 a.m. club, but I was, I've been saying to people... That literally cannot work for most women because what about the days leading up to your cycle where your body just needs to rest and then the day when you are on your cycle. So you already have a week that completely disrupts you and then you have another three days where you're coming out from like having no energy, your body is rebuilding, getting iron, um, uh, red blood cells and all that and then you're expected to follow this routine. And like for women already, like the seven to 10 days where you are flat out from this, where it just cannot work for you. So that leaves like 20 days or something in this, uh, in your month to be able to do this. But still, it's, it's intense. It is intense. And I thought as someone who struggles with ADHD, that that's the way for me to gain discipline. That's the way for me to manage my ADHD. And on, on top of that, I am changing a place, the place where I live at least every six months, every three months. I'm in a new place. I cannot for the life of me keep that mm. same crazy routine. It never happened. I, I couldn't. And I was always judging myself. Oh, I'm not capable yeah. Yeah. of doing this. Until I started to just lean in, like you said, to how I wake up every day. Um, there, there, there is such a beautiful re yeah. relief after learning that that's still that's also okay to just mm, take mm, one day. At exactly, time. I think that for me is the most important thing. Like I've also, you know, the other thing that I believe in is that we are people who work who have our own unique cycles, right? So I think I, I don't know if you've seen my post on Womb Wednesday, where I teach women to go into, where I tell them they need to understand who they were in their wombs, like talk to your mother, because even when you were in the womb, you already displayed who you were as a person in terms of how you do things, you know? So I've always been this person that I feel like I cannot be rushed for things, like my mother talks about that. She's like, when I was in the womb, they tried to find a heartbeat. They couldn't find it. They thought that she was actually um, having like a psycho, um, like it was a psychological pregnancy where like her body was responding and there was nothing showing up. And my mom's a nurse. Hey, she's a, she's, um, a retired nurse. So she was always in the hospital, surrounded by doctors. She knew all the medicine, all that. And nothing like there was nothing they couldn't find me they wouldn't give her maternity leave so she only got leave literally a few days before I was born when I decided to show myself when I decided to finally kick in front of people and turn and like reveal that I was actually there I was an actual human then they could find a heartbeat and all that so she always shares that story to say that that's how she always knew that I would be the person that I am like that it's really, really difficult for me to just do things according to other people's schedules. So I didn't bother, like there was no reason for me in the womb to show myself and to 
reveal my heartbeat and to just be like, here I am and to kick and do things. So she says, I was always super, super still. I only started to move when I needed to, when I was getting ready to be born. And I'm that kind of person. So I'm like, can you imagine working on someone else's rhythm where every day you have to produce and show that you're getting things done and be doing things and be performing? That is so stressful for a personality like mine. It is deeply, deeply stressful, you know? So for me, that is super intense. And I know you've experienced this when you work with me, Sophia, right? I'll be like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then one day I'll be suddenly like, oh, we're getting this done. Here we go. Here's everything. Now we're getting it done. You know? (laughs) They're like, this is how I operate. But now you're asking people to work on... This is what you do every morning. This is your morning routine. This is what you have to get done by this time, at this time, from this time to this time. It is so crazy. And also, can I share how for me, how I work also? So for a long time, I would think to myself that, you know, when you have to get things done, you have to write your blog posts, you have to talk to clients, you have to follow up with clients. I used to think you do everything in your morning routine, you do your day, and then You come back and then you get your laptop and then you do work and then you set your laptop aside and then you get to relax and then you do all these things, you know, so you have like your time blocks and it never worked for me. I would get so, so frustrated because I would try the time block and I couldn't do it until one day I started to notice how I got so much done, but as I was doing everything. So sometimes in the middle of my morning routine, I will literally stop a yoga practice. I'll be like 10 minutes into yoga. I'll have a download about something. And then I'll type out an entire sales email or do an entire sales page, finish that, and then go back to yoga and then start again and do something else, respond to a client, remember that I have this client, come back and then do that. That's why I'm saying some days my yoga mat doesn't even get rolled up. By the time I'm done, I've done so much But like, I've also been doing yoga and then I've paused, I've done meditation, I've paused, I've done something else. I've gotten it all done, but it hasn't been in the way that we've been taught. And I realized that when my business started to really thrive and succeed and I was able to work with a team and scale was when I did away with that notion of From this time to this time, you do this. From this time to this time, you do this. From this time to this time, you do this. I was just like, I just live. That's literally what I do. I just live my day and my work kind of like slots in to how I live. Like I'll have like, today, this is what I aim to do. And then like, it will like slot in wherever it slots in. And it's so bizarre for most people, right? So with my clients, obviously, I have a set time to meet them. And even that's also why I did away with one-on-one coaching, because I realized that working with a set time that I have a client that I have to meet at this time was starting to feel a little stringent to me. So I introduced masterminds because I'm like, I can have one day where I do stuff to the point where like I have mastermind sessions that are like six hours long because I'm like... I love that. Okay, on a Sunday, I can do that. This is what I do. And I've scheduled them in different ways. So they're not on the same set days. 
And my clients love that. They're used to that and they understand where it's coming from. You know, so people have their schedules a year in advance, but how we do everything is working around like what feels good to me. And even when I schedule things, it's based on when is my cycle, right? Like I don't want to be having doing this during the time of my cycle, you know? So it's a lot of that has had to change for me and I'm loving it. I mean, this for me is how I'm getting work done. It's how I'm getting so much done. And I know even you've mentioned, Sophia, you're like, Van, you do a lot. So I love to be, I love to be able to help. But how I'm doing all that isn't from a stringent point of view. If today I wake up and all that I can do is rest, then you know, it's not going to get done. It's like, this is what my body needs now. But it doesn't mean that I never finish things, that projects are always left up in the air, that things are never concluded. In fact, I always conclude everything that I start. But that's because I'm working to my own rhythm. Wonderful. And I do remember how shocked I was when I was working with you. By the way, you know that you're my first client in this whole nomading experience yeah um and I remember I was one day I had my period and I was struggling and I thought okay this this is the first time I have an intense pain in long time uh, I I'm not able to think so I just sent you a mm-hmm. message and you told me take the day take tomorrow please rest and to drink this and drink that and take care of yourself and it's such a foreign concept to me like I thought Oh, I have to <laughs> prove that I have, that I'm sick. Or maybe I'm just too spoiled to ask for this. And it just shifted my thinking about um, asking for mm. time off when I'm physically unable to to deliver. It's such a beautiful way to, yeah. to work. Because yeah. after that, you have the freedom to to think in your own time and just be creative in your own time and give more in your work. I want to know how does exploring, how does new exploring new places fit in this way of life where you, you have your works just slot into your life as it comes to you. Oh my gosh. I think maybe it's, it works very well exploring new places, right? Because I, whenever I'm traveling, I'm always going all over the place, you know? I'll even post on Facebook, I'll say, ooh, today's a good day to have an adventure and go explore someplace new. And for me, I think that is coming from such, um, the exploration is a huge part of how I work, right? Because if I'm going to be going somewhere that is four or five hours away and my spirit really wants to go to that place today, but if I'm allowing myself to be like, no, the, right now from this time to this time is when I have to get work and nothing else works, then I don't give myself that fluidity. And once I've, what I've found is that it's critical to honor those voices because 
I mean, you and I, we met in Morocco in a random way, in a random way, right? I could have booked a whole bunch of different Airbnb experiences at the time to explore Moroccan cooking. I've never had this desire to explore. To, that was the first time I ever do a, did a cooking course, by the way, in a foreign country. Up until then, I'd never had that desire. And my friend was like, oh, she wants to go do Casablanca. I was like, no, something in me is really saying I have to do a cooking course on this day. And I went on Airbnb and I was like, this is the one course that resonates with me for whatever reason. This is what I'm booking and it's got to be on that day. And then I was the only person there on that day and we were able to connect so deeply and just look at how that completely revolutionized my business, not just my business, but so many of my clients because I met you. And I always say to people, I can't imagine that if I had said no to Morocco, no, I'm not going to go to Morocco on that date, right? Because a few months later, you would have left, right? You would have gone off probably and gone traveling or done something else. If I hadn't said yes to exploring Morocco on that particular date, if I hadn't said yes to the cooking course on that day, we would never have met and my business would not be where it is today because you have been such an integral part of the growth of my business, right? And then my clients wouldn't have had the experiences that they are now having because I've been able to refer them to you. So all these things. So for me, it's, it is a key thing. The exploration is huge. I say to people as well, like moving to Chiang Mai, I had this inkling that of all the countries I could have moved to, I was like, I need to go to Chiang Mai. I want to explore Chiang Mai. And I was so specific. Like I hadn't heard of Chiang Mai. I met someone when I was living in South Korea. He told me about Chiang Mai. I got obsessed. I didn't even research it. And I was like, I think that's the next country for me. Kept asking him questions about it. And then I was like, something says I should move to Chiang Mai. You know how powerful that decision has been for me because it completely accelerated the growth of my business as well. So the exploration is critical. The following your intuition, because I always say that in Chiang Mai, I met people that completely changed my life experience. Like it's in Chiang Mai where I was taught about journaling differently. And now I have a journal. It's in Chiang Mai where I learned about journaling differently, where I then got obsessed with creating my own journaling prompts and doing my own things. And it's only because I met certain people there and started engaging with them that everything started to shift for me radically, you know? So this is super, super important. For me, these things are not separate things. The exploration and building my business these are the same things, how I work and exploring critical to, to the work itself. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for everything, because I, uh, I, I know for sure that without you, I wouldn't be here. Um, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. It was thanks to you. And I felt it when I met you and I thought, okay, this, this was my sign. I, what are the odds of meeting a person in my house, cooking for them, <laughs> doing something that for me is my love language. Talk, and on the day where my parents visited me, yeah. so you did even meet my mother briefly. <laughs> right? And <laughs> they don't even visit me usually, but 
on that day and then we talk and I just mentioned Shammai and oh my god you just give me this energy that I just needed because everyone around me was like yeah maybe you shouldn't maybe this maybe but it just cemented it for yeah. me I thought this is this is not this is not normal this is I can't I can't just deny myself this experience it's almost it almost felt like yeah. you were sent to me as a messenger like this is what <laughs> your life is supposed to look like you need to meet this person that's gonna tell you yeah I live I get that <laughs> so much from so many people <laughs> I, you need to live in Chamai. <laughs> No, but I feel that. Like, so that happens a lot to me. Like, people are like, how do you meet people in different countries and instantly become friends with them? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I definitely feel like I don't end up in random places for the heck of it. Like, I feel like I just trust that wherever I go, I'm going to meet people and it's going to be for a reason. So this has happened to me in Sri Lanka. This has happened in Thailand. This has happened in so many countries that I've stopped even questioning it. But that's why I say to people, it's the key for me is I tune in. I don't just wake up and go, ooh, this is the next country. It's where my, I just want these passport stamps. I always just sit and feel what does my soul really want to experience now and from that experience it's often that I am being led to something super incredible and powerful like honestly I always say to people I can't imagine if I had not said yes to going to Morocco I don't know like I I think my business would have gone in a totally different direction but it wouldn't be the direction it wouldn't be this which is so incredible and just to think that like I had to go to Morocco to meet you you know I had to go to Sri Lanka to meet Mangala I had to go to all these places to meet so many different people and it's so bizarre and so surreal but I'm like if I hadn't heeded that call I keep thinking to myself where would I be you know even staying in South Africa like so at first I thought it was just the healing but there were certain people that I've had to meet that I haven't met before and now that I've met them I'm like oh suddenly it feels ready to I feel so okay leaving South Africa because I'm like wow this is so profound I had to meet these people. There was no other way around it. Wow. I want you now to talk about your work because that's that's at the core for me. That's that's where all this comes from. Your work is um is that the shift happened to my life uh for me personally and I think your work has a lot to do with the way you live your life. So please tell me everything about what you do. <laughs> So I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. And the way that I work with uh, people is to really tune into your body. So I have a saying that the body never lies, right? And trauma lives in the body. So actually, Basil van der Kock also said that. Um, so the trauma lives in the body. So what I do is call on the ancestors and work with people in the ancestral plane to help them heal their um, 
ancestral wounds across the spirit plane. And I also help them break soul contracts that they've made in this life and other lifetimes that no longer work for them and that are causing a lot of money blocks. So I do this through meditations. I do a lot of EFT tapping. I do a lot of breath work, but my work is very tailored to just what I teach, right? So it's very rare that you can go on Google and find the things that I talk about, right? Even if you Google them, like the vows of service, the vow to prove the unfairness of God. So I also look at the way that we interact with divinity, the relationships that we formed within, uh, with ourselves, where we are divine. And then I do a lot of womb work as well with people. So the work itself is all about, even though I help most of almost all my clients end up debt free they increase their income they build a life that they love and they also end up saving more and changing their spending habits there is no set formula so you'll never get into my work and find this is what you do this is your morning routine wake up and do this every day journal like this do this do that that never ever happens i will never teach you how to budget. I will never tell you exactly the best way to pay off debt, the practical ways. A lot of that is as we're clearing the trauma, it's all about reconnecting with your soul, reconnecting with your spirit so that you can do things in a way that is aligned to you. So I always tell people that what worked for me may not necessarily work for you because we are two totally different souls. We have different past lives. We have different ancestral lineages. So what works for my ancestral bloodline may not necessarily work for your bloodline, right? So the work itself, I think where it becomes so powerful and why people experience the break breakthroughs they experience and why they rave about the work. As you know, Sophia, like everyone tells everyone about my work is precisely because everything is coming. All the practical things are coming from within you. The work is geared to help you find what works for you on a practical level so that you build your business in a way that resonates with you. So you learn how to save in a way that is unique to you. So I'm always shocked when people share the different accounts they set up, how they save and everything. When my clients share that, I'm like, wow, that is such a good idea. I never thought of it, you know, because we are all so radically different. And I always say to people, I believe that there are 7 billion people on this planet. There are 7 billion different ways of getting things done. And they will work for us in different ways because we are different people. But you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing, why you're employing this business strategy that you're employing. It can't be because I said so or because it works for me. So that is the power of the work. And yeah, um, I mean, I have the Money Magic podcast where I interview my clients and they share their journeys and share their understanding of trauma and what they got from the course and also how how they are now employing the work in their own lives and how it's working for them. Because like I said, it's always going to be very much an individual experience for everyone. 
Wow. Yeah, your work is is powerful and it's also to me super progressive in a lot of ways because when I met you, you've been doing that for such a long time and I met you three years ago. Um and now I see mm. this new and now yeah. I see this new trend everywhere on Instagram, even on LinkedIn of this whole money trauma <laughs> everyone wants to talk about personal finances everyone is is working on a course and wants just to, to talk about abundance and wants to talk about financial freedom and your work taught me something probably saved me a lot of time and, and money and energy because i just can spot bullshit now <laughs> This is not right. This is this is Yeah, it's it's great for that, right? Yeah. This is a one size fits all. This is not good. Um but unfortunately I fell into one trap. Um and I want you to tell me how can people um just protect themselves from this kind of coaching. So I had this time where I needed guidance, I needed coaching and I there was this person that was offering services and I thought maybe just having accountability is good, but it was at a time where I I was um financially unable to afford anything. Um and I expressed that and I that I have the intention to do it, but I will sign up when time is right for me. The person kept saying you show for you show up for yourself now you take with just one two hours pay for it show up for yourself and the money will show up i feel like if i came to you from a from a place of fear you would tell refer me to the blog or you would refer me to your work you would not take me as a client when i tell you i'm actually not secure um so that was one thing also the conversation re- actually you've got that right i never do that right yeah <laughs> yeah so i i never take clients on if someone is uncomfortable and the conversation also diverted where the person says says things like i know how you feel i know how you feel i know <laughs> and then say things like i know exactly what you need instead of listening i was saying that i'm having an, a panic episode i was having a, clearly a crisis mentally i was lost i had things that i needed to figure out but they insisted on the fact that the answer to all of this is morning routine and it just after that call i started What? i started hating morning routine and this person resorted to being super cheerleader <laughs> mode sending me you can do this you can do this do what you didn't even listen to what i'm going through you you're and it's so sad because i think a lot of people are going oh. to this one podcast or one source of what's coaching or this one youtube channel and learning all about this and everyone is throwing the word fixed mindset or open mindset or scarcity mindset left and right for a client i see this and i see the way you work you yeah. never throw any jargon You talk about the person's experience. So please articulate it because I know you would articulate it better. How can people <laughs> protect themselves from this, especially nomads because a lot of the people that are that choose this lifestyle, they they come with the intention to do some self-improvement so they can fall trap 
for this kind of coaching? Mm, actually, this is such a powerful question. Um, and, you know, actually, we have someone that does a call now in Wealthy Money because of the very thing that you talked about, which is that I want to know where someone is in terms of their mindset. So I have a client onboarding specialist now who actually does uh, who people first meet with and then they she will ask, where are you in your finances? Can you afford this? Do you need to take out a loan? Do you need to take out a credit card? Uh, okay, so credit cards we're okay with because you already have it, but do you need to take out a loan? Tell me, how is this going to impact you in terms of when you are signing up for this course? Because there are cheaper options and we want people to say here, it's not saying don't sign up for this course, but basically we want to know where you are because what we started realize what i started realizing is that a lot of people are coming from that background that you just mentioned which is that i'll have to mortgage my house and do this because if i invest in this then it's going to be a sign to the universe that i am committed to the work you know and i'm like but if you're already in a stress of intense trauma around money what's going to happen is this can really spiral you if you're already in a situation where you're stressing so much about money and even worried about food you're going out to take out a loan just so that you can have the universe see that you are committed to your own healing and hoping that will shift things actually is going to bring a lot of issues to you in the long run right so um, the best way forward in that case is to let's have a conversation, you know, let's figure out what's going on with you and let's see if maybe we can start you off on the bank account challenge and then in another two or three months, we'll move you into the Money Magic course. And then from there, we can even talk about the mastermind. And most people and people have asked me, how does that even work? Don't people run away? I'm like, actually, what I found when I do this with clients is they feel such a sense of safety. And because they know that they are held and um, that this is so I explained to them, this is why we're starting you here, because you're in this intense situation of high level where your nervous system is in serious disarray and it seems like spending even this kind of money is going to completely unravel you. Let's start with calming your nervous system and let's work on this. And when you see shifts from that, it will be easier for you to make the jump and to pay for this because at this point, your nervous system will start to relax and then you'll make the money that way, you know? So that, and what I found is that so many of my clients, as you know, like stay, they pay on time. I don't have a lot of drama and they usually do upgrade to almost, to a lot of different packages because they start to see the shifts and they know that. I think the big thing is that they know that it is safe to debate. Is this going to work for me? Is this the right thing for me? Um, am I ready for this? And they can verbalize it publicly. They can verbalize it in the, in the group. I don't think that's negative. I feel like that's an important part of humaning. But, and I think it, there's a very thin line at times. Why I also decided to do what I do in my business is because I felt like in with the old traditional way of marketing and selling, it's all about like making sales versus seeing the people. So I'm like, 
when we're dealing with trauma, we're dealing with people. We're dealing with someone's nervous system. And if all I care about is the person, is that this person is a sale to me, in the long run, then how do I know that they're getting the value that they paid for? This is important to me. I am also here to be of service, right? Yes, I'm here to build a business, but I truly believe that what is good for society is also good for business, that when I am helping others, it will also be good for my business in the long run. And my business has continued to grow consistently, you know, so I haven't lost out much by doing that. But when people are doing this, there is that thin line of, are you selling or are you coercing someone? This is really, really an important question for us to ask as coaches. It's like, is this coercion? Or some people are coming, especially when you're dealing with trauma, people are coming to you hyper uh, vulnerable. So are you using your coaching to coerce or are you using your coaching to really heal? This is not a judgment, but it's for me something that I've just been very cognizant of. And this is why I operate the way I do. And I guess, Sophia, this is why you also, when you encounter this after being around this environment, you're like, ooh, this feels off. Like I want someone that will make me feel safe, which I think is a fair ask. If someone is going to be coaching around trauma, they have, you need to know how to make your clients feel safe. And if already from the jump, they are feeling unsafe, especially around even making the sale. It's already a sign, you know, something has to be, you need to make some kind of shifts there. So what I say to people, if you want to avoid this, always feel into your body. Here's the thing. Um, in our discovery calls, we also have a rule that we don't take people's credit card details ever on the call. We send people a link and we even encourage people to say, for me, because they sign up uh, for the course after they've had a call with me, after they've had the call with the client onboarding specialist. And then it's all about asking them to take 24 hours to think and sit with it. People are always like, oh my God, do people ever sign up? Oh, hell yes, people often sign up. And more than anything, people feel so safe. They will reach out anytime. They'll ask questions about the next programs every time, right? Because what it is, I tell people, I say, it's not that I'm dissuading you from signing up, but it's that usually after a call, you're obviously hyped up. You're like, this is for me, all that. I want you to be in your own energy, to Feel how you feel after a few hours not being in my energy. How does that yes feel in your body? How does it resonate in your body? And then sign up. Very few people say no to that sign up. People will sign up. Even if it's like after 24 hours, they may sign up three, four, five days later. But that for me is also just like I... What that means is then I've created and I've signed up clients that are a full bodied yes. And when they come and they do the work, they do it fully and completely. They love it. They come in, they part of the tribe. They just, there's just a sense of safety. I never have to ask my clients to do the work, especially for online courses. Hey, are you guys not doing the work? Are you doing the work? My groups are always super busy. People are always feeding back. People are referring other people. 
this is the benefit of working with people that are a full bodied yes, but also working with people that you have created where you've created a sense of safety. Because in calls, most times what most what most coaches do is they create a sense of urgency and urgency culture actually triggers people and leads to high anxiety, right? So when you create that sense of urgency and then they keep like going with the discounts and if you do this in the next hour, you'll get a discount of X amount. Nothing wrong with that. That's all sales tactics. But I realize that I'm dealing with people that are coming from a background of trauma and a lot of my clients are women of color so i want to create a deep sense of safety in a world where safety is not big for them you know when nobody's constantly creating a sense of safety for them so this is why this matters for me and i'm so happy you spoke about this because it's such a passionate thing for me like i've been privately passionate about it <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, this is the most uh, authentic way of doing business and most honest that I've ever came across. And it's just mind blowing to me that you've been doing this for a long time. And I've, I time and time again, I reminded that this, this is the way I want to work. This is the, the kind of businesses or product that I want to purchase because I feel safe. And I, mm -hmm. it's just mind blowing to me to see these uh, websites for therapists that have sales traps on them and those big uh, countdowns and I'm like you're mm -hmm. you're a place that I go to when I have anxiety that's <laughs> a place that I go to to have a subscription <laughs> I don't need a big watch ticking on me I don't right? and, they, and it, it just I fail to understand how they are not aware of that. They're, they're supposed to be the people who care about user experience, care about the state of mind of the visitor. If I'm bombarded by pop-ups on your website, especially for, for us nomads, we encounter a lot of... Um, just these immense, intense hurdles of life moving around is just filled mm. with heightened emotions. And you know that. Yeah. Don't move into place to place, meeting new people. So there is a need. And I wish there was a safe space to go to these places. Mm. But there is, there is absolutely nothing. It looks like everyone is following some guy who told them how to do landing pages and sales traps. <laughs> And 97 um, prices. And remember last year, I tried to do that. Remember, Sophia, and you had to redo the website for me. And I was in Sri Lanka because I hired someone to do that. And you kept saying, Van, this is not you. And then um, it was actually in the midst of all that that I got very, very clear because they were saying that they were going to teach me how to sign up tons of people in one go. And then I couldn't. The most ironic thing, you know, for months, I couldn't sell. I wouldn't sell. My spirit wouldn't take action until I stopped all that. I took all that stuff off. I redid my videos, everything. I took away the urgency factor, everything. And that's when I was like, ah, and I started selling again. And it just felt like, that's what my spirit needed because I couldn't understand why I was at a no. I couldn't. I was so embarrassed. So most people are like, oh, Van, we didn't see this. If they're listening to this podcast and they know me. Well, you didn't see it because 
my spirit wouldn't allow me to even debut it to you guys. <laughs> so it was done, but it couldn't go public. And I just decided to change. But in those months when I was freaking out, I had time to think about that, exactly what you were saying, that it felt off because people are coming to you, like you're dealing with trauma and then you have like the big thing and you're creating urgency for someone who's already anxious about money, you know, someone who's already worried about things, you know, worried about their business, etc. You're creating that sense of urgency. I was just like, no, it doesn't matter even if they have the money. Truthfully, my audience can afford to pay, but they having the ability to pay the women that I um, talk to, having the ability to pay doesn't mean that you have no deep traumas around money and you're not triggered, right? So why would I want to be the extra trigger in a world that's already triggering them? Mm. So I was like, no, I want people to feel so chilled, so comfortable that when you say yes, it's yes from a space of my entire body says yes. There's no doubt. There's no anything, you know, it's just a full bodied yes. Mm. Thank you. I have one last, I feel like I, we need to do a part two, but for this uh, first episode, I would love to have you explain to me the vows of invisibility, um, because I feel like this podcast has been an idea for the past two years, and I come to realize that it has a lot to do with, with this. I see the way that you're open sharing your journey with your clients, um, the newsletter, everything, but you never asked me for the stats or the numbers or how many people are joining the, the group. It's, it's all about telling your truth. It's all unfiltered. Where does that come from, especially for women of color? This is such a good question because most people obviously think that I work with numbers and you know working with me, the first thing that I talk about with everyone in my team is we don't care about the numbers. We are more focused on, we care about conversion, but even that is not a big deal. But what we care about is, I always say, is how, like how honest are we in the work and is this work really serving? Which again, goes against so much of what I am taught, what is being taught, right? Um, for me, why that is, is because here's what I truly understand and believe is that most times I always talk about this. I'm like, I have many clients that come to me that have like 500,000 followers, right? Or 50,000 followers on Instagram, on Facebook, on this, but the business isn't actually monetizing, right? So those clients never ever become paying, uh, those followers never become paying clients. And I say to people, I've built a six-figure business that makes over $100,000 a year with a very small audience. And what I realized is that what it is that actually makes the sales is the heart to heart. When people feel our hearts, that's when people will know, oh no, you are authentic, you are real. When people can feel you and resonate with you, that's when people want to be in your space, you know? And I say this not just, and it's not just in terms of clients. I see it also with my team, right? People that have worked for wealthy money. Like, I mean, Sophia, I have seen you do work for wealthy money where you have stayed up 
like into the morning just to get things done. You know, and I'm just like, wow, how lucky am I? And I've never had to feel like I'm forcing people and people want to do the work. And it's just like, I feel that the real work is how authentic are you and how open can you be and how truthful can you be so that people feel your heart. And it's from that that the business grows. And that requires visibility, right? That And visibility, I say to people, again, we've just spoken about like the 500,000 followers, 50,000 followers, lots of different followers because I work with different people. Um, I work with many, many different people, right? And people come to me from different parts of the world, different parts of, of different walks of life and all that. But what I've noticed is that if we can just get a person, regardless of how few followers they have or how many followers they have, to be visible. And being visible is being seen. And when I talk about being seen and visibility, I'm not talking about how many people are following you. I'm talking about how many people see your heart. So if you can connect with people on the heart level, which is actually the scariest thing. And so the vow of invisibility is that we are never truly seen. And it stems from the belief that it is not safe to be truly seen. It's not safe to be truly myself in the world. So most of us have heard people, and I used to be this person where I used to be like, I have so many people, I know so many people, but I never feel close to anyone, right? So that's one of the things is that like, we know how to hold space for other people, but we haven't allowed ourselves to be vulnerable in such a way that others can hold space for us or truly see us so that they feel like they know us. And then from that knowing, they can trust us. Because if, well, if especially when you're working online and you're a nomad and everything of yours is happening virtually, most people, they cannot, most people don't know who you are right? You're online. It's not like a mom and pop store where they can come and show up and then they get to see you. They know exactly who you are. They just get to know you from your posts. They get to know you from your videos. So if you're not truly, if all you're doing is showing perfection and just showing the surface, then, and then you're saying to people, I work with trauma. I want you to come bear your soul to me and tell me your most private life. And I want to charge you $20,000 for that. People are not going to be convinced, right? So this for me, it's all about being truthful. If you want people to come and tell you their deeper stories, you have to be the one to lead by example, to show them that, I'm also doing the work. I'm also doing this. And then they can start to feel safe as well. So it's not exactly a strategy because people will see if you're just doing this for sales purposes. But if you want to connect with people, you have to take the first step and be the example of that. So for me, visibility is almost translated into vulnerability, is giving yourself permission to be vulnerable. And I'm not saying you, I, and you don't have to be vulnerable online in the way that I do it in public with so many different people or on stages like I do often. You can also just start by being visible with just your friends. That's definitely how I started with family. So letting people really see your heart. And that is hella scary. And I think it's hella scary for, uh, for women of color because we are judged, you know, 
were judged more harshly than our white counterparts, you know? So there's always this there's always this invisible pressure with us to come across as perfect, having our uh, having dotted our I's, crossed our T's. But what that does is that we have so much pressure to be perfect that we never get to fall apart. So then we come across as super strong and the world keeps ladling us with nonsense, right? Because, well, you're so strong, you don't fall apart. That's why most of the medical industry apart from being just blatantly racist, will be like, well, uh, black women don't feel pain in the same way that white women feel pain. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. You're human. But because we've been taught to basically, you know, hold it in and be strong, we've been, give, we've been giving this impression so people don't know that we're vulnerable as well. So it's great to let others that, especially if you're in business and you're going to be holding space around whatever industry you're working in, to have them see you, to have them see what matters to you, what you value, what are some challenges that you're going through, your celebrations, your wins, your incredible breakthroughs. It's all that because we're so scared even to show the good things because we're scared that people will think that we're bragging, we're too much, all these things. So, yeah, that is the vow of invisibility. Wow. What is it about bragging that we fear? I feel like a lot of the time, I, I even went off social media for six months because I thought, oh my God, this is too Instagrammable and people will think that I have a lot of money. I'm actually going through a lot. So I'm just going to disappear from the face of the earth because I don't want people to think that I'm bragging or showing off. Where does I this think come that from? it comes from the fact that we don't want to be seen as too much, right? We want to, we always want to be part of the tribe. So even right now, like I see a lot of coaches are saying, oh my gosh, um, they feel they're struggling with the whole idea, like w with what's happening in the Ukraine. They feel like um, they can't share what, they can't share their services. They, uh, they feel like they're being judged for that. They feel like they can't brag about their victories because they're being judged for that. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, so much of Africa and the Middle East has been at, has been struggling for years. And this is the first time the West feels that. Like, oh my gosh, it's so scary to brag, you know. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> so I'm like, Syria has been happening. All the stuff has been happening and people haven't minded. And now because of what's happening, you also start to see so much of the racial biases coming through and I'm like wow people are not even aware that they're showing themselves this time round you know and I'm not saying what's happening in the Ukraine and with Russia is not bad but I'm saying it's been consistently it this has been happening to the Middle East it's been happening to many African countries so much has been happening and uh, people haven't said that before but a lot of what is where that this is coming from the bragging and the fear is that we fear that we will be judged in a world where so many people are going through so much. We fear that if we share our good things, we'll be judged. And I know for a lot of women of color and especially women in um, Africa, the fear is obviously if you're from the African continent, like myself and yourself, Sophia, 
our families have different life experiences to us. Mm. You know, we are the first generation to have the life that we're having. So there is so much fear that if I post on social media and my family has never had this, there may be judgment as to, well, why aren't you using this money for the family, to help the family, to give back to the family? What are you doing you know, why is it that you get to have this life when you're not giving back to your mom and your dad? So there's also that fear. Or if you have been helping your mom and your dad, then there's the fear that the neighbors will say, but you haven't helped them enough. So why are you bothering to to celebrate, you know? Exactly, exactly. And this is this is an uh, an actual conversation that I want to have with you another time. And that's would be the topic of how to deal with family expectations and social society's expectations coming from those cultures, because going back home now is such a such a source of anxiety because of that. Um, Thank you so much. I will leave you to uh, give me one last note on what you love about your lifestyle. What's What brings you joy? Ah, this is such a great question. Honestly, what brings me joy is freedom. Is this freedom. Like, I think I am so immensely blessed that I get to answer only to myself and that I get to honor my soul in every way for everything that I want, that everything always comes back to what is it that feels right for me? What is it that feels good for me in this moment? I'm never, I never feel like I'm doing things that are out of alignment with my spirit. And I think that's how it also translates in my business. So to hear my clients and everyone say, wow, the way that you do business, the way you um, like help us understand how to do business, that there's another way other than, you know, the bro, the, the bro marketing style or that we have to work, work, work nonstop or that we have to have a particular set morning routine. That for me brings me so much joy. So just teaching people that you get to have freedom, not just in freedom of movement, but freedom in every aspect of your life, that you get to craft your life intentionally in every single way. You know, Um, I've had a friend of mine actually recently tell me this. He was like, the one thing that I keep taking away from you is that you get to be intentional, that everything you do is very intentional and it's coming from, it's very much led from what is going on within. And I'm just like, that for me, it's that, this is what this lifestyle has given me. You know, it's easy to do that because I work for myself. I get to live in whatever country I want to. When I'm tired of a country and it no longer resonates with me, I get to leave. I mean, I've just said this, right? Like even with Mexico, if I get there and I'm like, I'm not feeling it, I'll check out Costa Rica, I'll check out Guatemala, I'll check out other countries as well. So I think freedom above all else, I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Van. Thank you so much for sticking around. Do me a favor. Send me your feedback. Let me know what you thought about this episode. 
And if you're feeling generous, please send this episode to someone who would find it interesting. And I hope that today you'll live your life with intention.